the interesting thing in business is I think uh, I'm very introverted. Very introverted. I don't like doing social stuff and I don't drink very much. Very, very well, then how the hell are you on a podcast and how do you have like 400,000 followers? I, I, I didn't know you were introverted. I, I, no, it's, it's like serious introversion. And I, I, um, I don't drink very much. And I know that's when a lot of business is done, quote unquote, is after hours or at the bar or the golf course or whatever, or the gala. And I just have like business dinners. I don't, I do you not. Do oh, oh, it's the worst. I don't, I don't like staying up late. I, uh, it's just, I don't like anything about it. Dude, you're hilarious. So, <laughs> and, and I think it hurts me in business. You're, you're, we're going to have a lot to talk about during this. It's going to be fun. No, yeah. you're fine. I haven't had a drink in 11 years. Oh, it's great. And I was an Olympic champion drinker. So I've seen both sides of it. Well, our, our whole executive team, Randy doesn't drink. Jason doesn't drink. I knew, I knew Jason didn't drink. Doesn't drink much. Yeah. If really at all. I couldn't imagine Dan drinking. No, no. Yeah, yeah, so so none of like when we're together, it's it's extremely boring. No, it's there's, fine. There's nothing You're... exciting going on. <laughs> <laughs> there's the misperception right there. You don't have to drink to have a good time and not be boring. Sure. Yeah. Um. So you're not at all a contractor. No, my dad was a general contractor though. That's interesting. Yeah, very involved in the AGC, president of the South Carolina AGC. Yep. Ah. I grew so I grew up. I was a. Uh, I worked for him during the summer. He big, built big commercial buildings. And of course, my dad was a two-star general as well. So no kidding. imagine growing up in <laughs> South Carolina, two-star oh. general for a dad and a general contractor. So in the summers, he would let me work for him, but I was a laborer one summer and a carpenter's helper the next summer. Wow. So that was it. So that's my, that's my contracting background. Um, how was he? Was he as you'd imagine him to be? Or how's a general father? How does so that go? So my dad was... Um, my dad was pretty cool. My dad was very successful. He did two tours in Vietnam. Um, he definitely kept me on a tight leash. Sure. But you know what? I mean, I turned out pretty good. Um, you know, his dad was a lieutenant colonel and his dad was a pain in the ass. And I wow. never I never knew him. He died before I was born. But um, so my dad had a little bit of that in him. I mean, I was scared shitless of him. Yeah. Um, you know, that changed as we got older, but, um, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you a funny story. I was, um, I guess I said something to my mom once that wasn't right. And he grabbed me by the arm and I said, get the fuck off of me. And I pulled my arm down and literally he was a ranger, he's airborne paratrooper within, I think two and a half seconds, I had both hands pinned behind my back with my face <laughs> up against the wall. And I go, I was just kidding. <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, you didn't, you didn't fuck with him. I, I, I think there's a. There's a part of that that's good, I think, for for kids. I think a little fear is is not always bad. I think it's it's been like ironed out for a lot of people, a lot yeah. of parents, a lot of kids. Uh, but I had my my. It wasn't my dad, but it was my friend's dad. I was scared shitless of this mm -hmm. guy. My, were, my everybody was life. scared of my dad. And everybody. Yeah. And if you yeah if you <laughs> like if you got on his wrong like you were his standards were you couldn't meet them. But you you still tried to meet them because if you fell too short, you knew you were going to be in big trouble somehow, yep. some some in some way. Uh, and I think it was really good for me. Yeah, that's Art Baden. That's my dad. I, it, listen, I think today we give. You know, I mean, I just saw a dog in your lobby, and yeah. dogs love discipline, even though you don't think they do. They yes. love discipline. I think yes. kids crave it, and I think today we've just said, you know what, do what you want. And you've probably seen it in some of the people you've hired with this new generation. They like, here's, here's the greatest example. If my private equity firm called me today and said, Hamilton, I want you to lick the TV set. Yeah. I'd be like, dude, what is, what the fuck is wrong with you? And then if he said, if you want to keep your job, lick the TV set, I'd lick the fucking yeah. TV set. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's how I was raised, yeah. but you have kids today. So no, that's going to hurt my feelings. I can't do that. Yeah. And then we're like, all right. And you can't fire him because then you get sued. So yeah. it's just like, I think it's created a culture. I think there's a happy medium, put it that way. The, the dog thing's interesting. I think a lot about this. Most people's dogs are com totally undisciplined. Mine are. And I think, I, I think that's. It, they, they need that structure. They, 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 they were bred to work and now they're not working at all. It's kind of like human beings. Like we were, we were created to go out and gather and hunt and, and live in these small tribes and, and to, to live life on the edge and just to survive. Yep. And now we're just in this 
way comfortable world where I can get as many calories as I want, as much clean water as I want. I can just sit all day completely against all of the wiring in my head. But yet that, you know, that works now. And I feel like for dogs, it's the same thing. I, I agree with you. I'll tell you something. I saw a video the other day and it was these kids bitching about how bad they have. And the commentator was like, really? Like kids today, you can literally from this little device in your hand, you can order whatever you want. It'll be delivered to your house within an hour. Mm-hmm. I mean, what the fuck kind of strife do we have today? We, I mean, seriously, like think about, you know, our parents and our parents' parents and like trying to figure out how you're going to put food on the table and all this stuff. And now it's just, everything is so easy, but kids think they have it so, so tough. Yeah. I just, I don't agree with it. It's all relative though, I guess. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, If if you've been brought up that way and, and then when you click the Amazon button and they don't show up at your door, that's like the biggest strife in the world. But the, the, see, the problem is that expectation carries into other parts of your life. And so that's where, um, like I, I've been working on this presentation for this these the the HR leaders of dealers cat cat dealers yep. equipment dealers, and a lot of it um, a lot of their benchmarking is against other dealers or other contractors. But <laughs> that's that's not good because the industry as a whole is somewhat behind most other industries, especially from like a technology standpoint. Right. So if I'm benchmarking against other uh, companies within the construction industry on technology, and I could be way ahead. But you look at that technology compared to what I have just on my iPhone. Right. That's the standard. Yeah. That's that's the go-to right there. Or it's why I like cars. I don't know. The technology is still garbage in cars. Right. So I get used to my phone and how seamless it is and how much technology I have. And then I go to my car and I'm struggling with the the stupid Bluetooth on my car. I'm like, how hard is it yeah. to get this? But I'm comparing the two. I'm just I'm I just assume that's the standard. I take that standard, I go apply it somewhere else, right. which really doesn't abide by that standard, and then I get frustrated for it. Yeah, no, I get it. Crazy. Um, hey, before we go there, I have a question for you. So you're doing a please. presentation. You said you're uh, an introvert. How are you with presentation? Um, I've had to practice a lot. Yeah. And really? I, 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 I'm not excited about any one of them, you're let not? me tell you. Oh, oh no. my God. No, 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 no. That'll no, change. No, no. You'll get, you'll get, when you get older, you'll get better. Not that you're not old. You know what I'm saying? When you... I, when I was 25, 30 years of age, I was terrified. So I shouldn't say I'm not excited. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity. Right. I, 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 I love it after, um, but I don't, like, I have to make myself say yes. Like, absolutely. I, I, I'm, I'm not natural. Like, I get even it. like running races, like, I don't really, I have a race in a few weeks. I don't really want to do it. <laughs> but I, I know I should. I know I have to. And I signed up. Are, like, you, are okay. you creative? Uh, yeah. Yeah. But in, my, in some ways. my wife is a creative genius. She's a fashion designer and she's terrified of public speaking. Not, not that you're terrified of it, but it, but then she does it and she's phenomenal at it. But she's the same way. She doesn't get excited. She gets nervous. Yeah. I, and uh, I mean, I haven't done it that much. I've t- probably done it like over the past two years, like 30 times. Yeah. But I'm starting to get into it. Yeah. Enough where. I've overcome the initial nerves and I can start like t- when you start, it's like, I just need to get through this. That's the standard. Right. If I get through it, I won. <laughs> now <laughs> I've been able to overcome that so I can start to focus on the craft a little bit. There you go. How do I, how do I tell a better story? How do I structure a 35 minute presentation to be most effective for this specific group? Yeah. Uh, it, it's, there's so much to it. Once you get into it, it's the Dunning-Kruger effect. You, right. The more you learn, the more you understand that you, you don't know what the heck you're doing. Um, I'm kind of in that phase right Got now. Got it. Yeah. I'm Got not it. scared shitless, but uh, I'm not even All close right. to being I just When you said you were an introvert, I was like, wow, how's he do the talk? So but, that's, that's but that's one of those things. Like, I know I have to do that to yeah. get to where I want to be. So I say yes, 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 yes. Because yeah. I know I need reps. Yeah. I know I'm not good at it. I bet you're great at it. I don't think so. Well, I have to hear one of them. Maybe who knows? Right. Yeah, cool. I'll, I'll be. I talk at the Dirt World Summit. Are you coming? Yeah, I'll be there. Okay. Yeah, right. I, talk, um, I talk there. Our uh, um, Aaron Crawl, who's a PhD who works for us, is given a. I think the very first day she's doing a two-hour workshop on um, mental health first aid. Okay, nice. So yeah, I'll be there. What is mental health first aid? 
Um, kind of like CPR, but for your brain. Mm-hmm. That's the best way to think about it. Um, you know, I always say you obviously work out. We work out our body. We need to be working out our mind. And yeah. it's understanding what's going on in people, how to react to it, how to help people, how to talk about it, things, things like that. It is amazing how, like, not understood it is and not, like, like if you fell on the floor right now, I would at least try something. Like, right. Okay. I, I, I don't know what I'm doing, but I could try to figure this out. But if you told me, I mean, just, like, go total, totally into it, like, I'm going to kill myself. Yeah. No idea what to I, do. I honestly, I would not, I would not even know where to start. I, and, and I'd just be like, I'd sit there and start overthinking. Like, what do I say? How do I? react i want to say the right thing because if like you go kill you like now that's on me like i don't I, I don't know what to do so think about it this way um if i was a buddy of yours that um you've known for 20 years and we're best friends and i said i'm really struggling dude i I'm, i just don't want to live this life anymore what what would you say to me that's just a buddy like what how would you treat me um you know i might Talk about the fun stuff we've done together. Talk about the stuff you have to offer. But you probably first of all say, "Dude, come on, yeah, you don't want to do that." You put your arm around me, give me a hug. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Here, here's the way I describe it: you would treat me as a human being. Sure, that's what we need to do. Uh That that's the problem. To be honest with you, I I don't. We don't treat mental health. I call it behavioral health because behavioral health to me encompasses mental health, substance use disorders, suicidal ideation, all of that stuff. So I just use the word behavioral health. When people struggle with behavioral health, we run away. Uh-huh. Um, there's this saying, you know, no one brings you a casserole when your kid gets diagnosed with heroin addiction. Uh-huh. If, if my son, I don't have a son, so I always use that. If, if my son got diagnosed with stage four cancer, I swear to you, 25 people would show up at my front house with casseroles and can we help and what can we do? Yeah, well, I, I would almost be over here whispering about your son with the heroin. Did you hear? Yeah, that's right. And if I, I, I that's right. And if I said, Hey, my son's a heroin addict, you would be whispering about me. Yeah. But you sure as shit aren't coming over to my house. Yeah. And more importantly, I sure as shit am not telling you because uh-huh. I know what I'm going to get. Sure. So that's, but, but why, why are we treating it differently? Yeah. It's, it's, if we don't change this and I can throw out tons of statistics, we, we already have an enormous crisis on it. I'll, I'll give you an example. In the last 12 months, 135,000 people have died of a drug overdose in this country, most of them opioids. Okay, 135,000. 20 years ago, 9,000 people died in a 12-month span. Okay, so that's a huge difference. Now, I want you to think about something. What are we doing now that we didn't really do 20 years ago to the extent we do now? Narcan. You know what Narcan is, right? Uh-uh. Narcan's uh, vaguely, the sh- yeah. Narcan's the shot. If you were overdosing right now, and I hit you with a shot of Narcan or sprayed it up your nose, it would like bring you back to start. life. Yeah. yeah, it would bring you back to life. Yeah. So it saves people. If we if we just counted the people that were saved with Narcan, and added that to the hundred thirty five thousand people last year, we'd have had five hundred thousand deaths in this country. Oh, that's you what see you're what I'm saying? saying? Yeah. Holy shit, dude. So nine thousand to five hundred thousand. It's insane. It's, it's the I've. I feel like it's the number two killer of people. Now for people over 50, it's the number one killer, more than car crashes. It's, uh, ac- but accidental death, not heart disease and that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I think yeah, it's yeah. number, so number yeah. one for accidental death. Yeah, and it's, and it's, and the problem is it's in everything. Do you have kids yet? No. Okay, when you have kids, um, here's what I tell my kids. I said, look, if you want to drink, I don't love it, but drink, I'd love, do it at the house, do whatever you want. If you want to smoke pot, it's legal in Arizona, smoke pot. You want to do it, do it at the house. If you ever fucking take a pill that somebody gave you, I will kill you myself and bring you back to life and kill you again. Yeah. It's in everything, dude. We had an investor whose son was a white collar worker sitting at his desk and he took, he asked his buddy for an Adderall because he was having a hard time focusing. He took the Adderall and within five minutes he dropped dead at his desk. It was laced with fentanyl. That's the problem. And And, yeah, fentanyl is fentanyl is the problem. Is the problem. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, when it comes to substance use disorder, it pales in comparison to alcohol use. Opioids and, is the sexy thing because people are dying and I get it. But yeah. but really, and your industry, dude, is hurting bad. Alcoholism, I grew up with it in the household. I've, you know, been face to face with it my whole life. That's why, that, frankly, that's why I don't drink all that much. Yeah. I'm, I'm 
I'm glad one. Um, yeah, I've, I've never had a very good association with alcohol, so I, I like to stay away from it. And mostly, mostly wine. I've tried people have tried to get me into wine. I just I can't even fucking smell it because I think I have all of these negative. There's just so much negativity around that That's stupid really interesting. grape juice that I, I just can't even I can't even smell it. Yeah. If I smell it, I start to it just it doesn't sit well with That's me. That's really interesting. But two, like right now, I am so healthy that I can notice if I had a beer last night, I wake up in the next morning you and I, I feel different. And I yeah. don't like that. Like I like to be on You're and it, t- t- it it's like I I'm, the dimmers a little bit down the next day. I'm not hung over anything, but the dimmers are down. Yep. And just me noticing that, like, I don't like that. And that's driven me away from it even further. But I'm, I'm grateful for that. Yeah. Because if not, I'd be drinking all the time. Yeah. It, it's, it's amazing that you took that path because you, you know the way it works. Son of, of someone that struggled, it's either one or two ways. You either go all in or you go out. Yeah. And I've seen both. Um, and, you know, my story is I, I was a raging alcoholic and addict for 25 years and mm-hmm. went to work every day. No one knew. No one had a clue. I was the life of the party. You mentioned going to business dinners. I was always on. Sure. And uh, the only person that knew was my wife, to be honest with you. My kids knew something was up, but they didn't know what it was. And um, and I got sober 11 years ago. And my youngest daughter, I was worried about her. And she went to her first party when she was 16 and called me 20 minutes in and said, come get me. Everybody's drunk. I don't want to be here. And I was like so excited. I couldn't even see straight. Well, even as a kid, you don't know what alcoholism is until you're an adult. Yeah, that's like, right. And not even in high school, you really understand alcoholism. It, it, you, you get to later in life and you start to recognize, oh, like. Yeah, that's it. Oh, that's it. I've been around it. My, I, hadn't, I didn't even know what it was. Yeah. I thought. I thought this is what other people did too. I yep. thought this was just how it was. Yeah, I didn't, I don't know when it was. I think it was, I was like 13 and I was in Costa Rica and I think I had some drinks. I was at a bar and I had some drinks at the bar. And I remember I just felt like shit later that night because yeah. I was 13 drinking drinks at a bar, like daiquiris or some bullshit like that yeah. in Costa Rica. Yeah. <laughs> and, and my parents weren't there or anything. It was me and I think another friend of mine we we went down to some Spanish Spanish camp, and we were with a bunch of older kids. I yeah. think we were like going eighth grade, the freshman year, right? And everybody else was like senior in high school, so we were just tagging along, trying to keep up. <clears throat> and I remember us sitting in the bathroom later that night, and I just said, "You know what? I'm not going to do this." And for the rest of high school, I didn't drink, and then until I was uh, 21, college, I didn't drink. Wow! So I didn't I didn't touch alcohol from then 13 till 21. But I went to all the parties, and right. I was around it. Every single day from 16 to, you know, now every day, yeah. <laughs> like I've not been around it. Yeah. And, and I just, I just didn't want anything to do with it. We, we all, we all are around it every day. It's socially accepted. Yeah. But it's so destructive. It is. You know, I actually used to say that I thought alcohol was the greatest drug. I mean, I struggled with behavioral health issues. I had hyperactivity as a kid, stress, anxiety. And when I drank, it made me, it absolutely made me feel better. It, it's, so there's, there's this neurobiolo- neurobiology, neurobiological face of addiction, and it's all about your dopamine. Let me just explain this real quick. So you, you're not an addict, you're not an alcoholic. You probably have a level of 10 dopamine in your brain. It's always 10. When you, if you had a drink, if you made out with your girlfriend, if you saw a really pretty sunset, went to the beach, your dopamine spikes a little bit. Probably goes up to 10 and a half or 11, makes you feel good, whatever. Yeah. And then it goes back down and it levels off at 10. So yeah. I have a level of nine dopamine in my brain. Yeah. I Just like you have, what do you have, blue eyes? I have blue eyes. I'll never have brown eyes. I will always have a level of 10. Yeah. When I take a drink, my nine goes to 16. So my dopamine spikes. goes. So the feeling I get from taking a drink I can't even explain it to you, Aaron. It, it is, it's like this, I used to call it the collective sigh of relief. It was just like, everything got better. Huh. And then what happens is- Every this, time? <clears throat> every time. Wow. I literally, four years into my sobriety journey, I was in Vegas at a meeting with my, CE, my old CEO and I took a, I had a, I ordered a club soda with a line and I took a huge swig of it, straight vodka. And immediately, within seven seconds, I was like, holy shit, I can do this again. And I didn't do it, but it was very traumatic. So anyway, 
the cool, the crazy thing about it is, so my dopamine goes up to 16. There's this thing in your brain called the CDF factor. And what it does is it lowers your dopamine back to normal levels. But because mine went so high, mine goes down now, it pushes it too far down and now it's at eight and a half. Mm -hmm. My normal's nine. So now think about that for a second. Mm -hmm. I'm at eight and a half. It's supposed to be nine. The only thing that'll bring it back up to nine is to drink again. I see. You see what I'm saying? It becomes an act of survival. So my wife used to always say to me, you can't drink like a normal person. Why do you do that? You don't love me enough. It's not about love. It's not once you get into that cyclical response as an alcoholic, you can't get out of it unless you make a change, unless you break something. And there's ways to do it. I mean, it, the, the one thing that we're very much about at the company I founded called U-Turn Health co-founded is there's not one size fits all. And that's what mm -hmm. we've, has been pushed on us for the last 70 years is if Aaron's struggling with alcohol or if Aaron's struggling with mental health, he has to do these things. He has to own it. He has to quit drinking forever and his life will get better. And that's just bullshit. It's, it's bullshit. That's what happened to me because I drank for so long that the only thing that would get me better was to stop drinking. Yeah. One of the, <clears throat> I'm reading, uh, I'm reading a book on warfare right now. It's okay. amazing, but one of my favorite books, I'm rereading it. It's called war. It's, it, like strategies of war. It's so amazing, but awesome. Um, it talks a lot about you, every single war is different. And so you can't go into it with these set strategies or set tactics or what, what worked before, because everything is so different because you're not really dealing in strategy, you're dealing in human beings. Right. And every human is different. Every human reacts differently. They're different at different parts of their life in different places. There's there's so many differences. So it's there are these common threads, these common themes that can be applied in different situations. But first and foremost, you have to recognize that every situation, every every war, every human being is completely different. Right. And and once you start to approach it from that perspective, like who is this individual? What is what is their issues? What's important to them? Because I always make the mistake. I'm a human being. I always I live life through my perspective. Right. And I assume people think like me. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'll just if it makes sense to me, it makes sense to you, right? Right. And that's not how it works. No, it's at not. all. No. <laughs> not at all. Um, uh, which I've learned most importantly through relationships. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly right. Well, and I'll give you I'll give you an example. How many people do you know that maybe party too hard in high school or college and then they found religion or they got into CrossFit yeah, there's and, that. and they start working out and so yeah. they don't drink as much? Yeah. What's wrong with that? Like yeah. what what I mean, that person was able to control their drinking. Like, that's great. Like, why do we care? It's no. just we we've developed this theory that everyone has to be treated the same way when it comes to mental health or substance abuse. And it's just not true. Well, or, or even worse, I sit here and think I understand alcoholism. I'm not an alcoholic, but I and I sit, well, you just have to stop. It's as simple as that. If you were to just stop drinking, you're you're like you're good to go. <laughs> but, yep. but that's the that's the dumbest thing I could say. Like that's not helpful. It's it's arrogant because I think I know how to solve your problem when I, I know nothing about your problem. I know I know nothing about your situation. Well, and and we're measuring the wrong things, too. Like if you were if you let's say you were an alcoholic, let's say you were drinking whatever, 20 beers a night, whatever. Yeah. Um, I'd be are, dead if I was drinking. 20 yeah. Beers. Are, are you happy? Um, does your family love you? Do you have a good job? I mean, obviously, it's not healthy for you. But let, let's say we get you to stop drinking 20 beers a night. And you drink two beers a night. Mm. Does your family love you? Are you happy? Are you healthy? Is your job like you? I mean, what 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 is it? And that's really what we need to be measuring, not the fact that Aaron hasn't had a drink in 11 years. It's that's I mean, that's cool and it's great. I mean, because that's my story. But yeah, if I could drink like a normal person, I probably would. I just know I can't. I don't want to because <laughs> I don't I don't want to go back to where I was before. Yeah. I mean, there's other stuff I've had to stay, like video games, for example. Yeah, you couldn't get away from that. No yeah. way, dude. Like I tell people, if if you see me like buying an Xbox I, at this company, I'm just like, I'd I'd make sure your resume's up to date. Like everything's gonna fall apart. <laughs> <laughs> stuck in that world. So, what it's games did you it. do? You like the war games or do you like the sports game? Um, I like I like the world. I I I so I, I when I was way 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 younger, the one game I was totally in love with was called RuneScape, and I loved it because. It was this whole world 
and it, it had this economy within it. Oh, wow. And so you could, I mean, you could quite, there was like a stock market and you could quite literally like practice like basic arbitrage. And there were, there were all these like, wow. like economics. It's like Sims on steroids, well, right? Yeah, but it's like, it's like a war game. You're out killing stuff. Oh, got it's it. Like, got it's, it, got and it, got then it. you're living in this mystical world, but there's, there's all this strategy behind it that I just absolutely loved. No, and that's you're cool. just immersed in this whole world and you can yeah. talk to people and there's thousands of other people there. Uh, but now, yeah, I can't, I can't touch it. Because you'll get you'll get addicted. No, well, yeah, no addiction's way. not the right word, but you you wouldn't do anything but that. Yeah, yeah, and, and so I've had to just get super obsessed with other things, yeah. like like work. I just I am obsessed with work right now. Everybody's like, "What'd you do this weekend?" I just work. Yeah, I I, I was happy to have three days off a long weekend. I had no meetings or anything. I could just work, just unencumbered. Yeah, I just I love it. Um, and I've I figured if I just bury myself in that, that's better than getting involved in anything else right now and i have no wife i have no kids everybody's like oh you need balance i'm like i don't need balance because you're telling me i need balance i don't want your life so i like people that i do want to be like they're saying no balance is stupid so i'm gonna keep doing that yeah and maybe i'll regret it one day but i don't know i'm willing to make the bet you'll figure it out yeah but i think everybody everybody has something yeah i agree with that what um what does U-Turn Health do? All right. Um, so in order to know what U-Turn Health does, we got to first discover what's the issues. So uh, you know, because what you guys do for a living, there's a huge issue with behavioral health in this country. And there's a there's an even bigger issue with behavioral health right now amongst construction workers. I always say construction workers are a lot like veterans, badasses, yeah. you know told they can do whatever they want, play hard, you work, you work hard, you play hard. And they don't want to talk about their problems. They don't want to talk about their feelings, this and that. So when you look at behavioral health, this is the way we define it. There are three big gaps in the way we treat behavioral health, and you'll totally get this. Gap number one, we already talked about, but there's some statistics behind it. Only 10% of people that struggle in this country get help. So think about that for a second. If we have a thousand people that are struggling with whatever it is, stress, anxiety, suicidal ideation, substance abuse, mental health, only a hundred of them are going to raise their hand and say, I have a problem. Oh, it's like 10% of sick people going to the doctor. That's right. And when you study it, the overwhelming reason people say they don't get help is because it's too scary. It's not that there's a lack of therapists. It's not that it costs too much money. It's they're scared. They're scared of the consequences and here's why. If Again, go back. If you came to me today and say, Hamilton, I love your story. I think I'm struggling with alcohol. Can you help me? I'm going to say, yeah, Aaron, you're an alcoholic, which I just called you fat, basically. Sure. Yeah. And then I'm going to say, it's pretty simple, dude. All you got to do is go to treatment, quit drinking today, quit drinking for the rest of your life, and then come back and remain anonymous. And you're going to look at me and be like, there's no fucking way I'm doing that. Mm-hmm. Here's the criminal part, Aaron, is when you tell me you're not ready for that, I tell you you're in denial. And I just say, keep doing what you're doing. And when it gets so bad, you've heard the term when, when you hit bottom, yeah, you'll raise your hand and you'll ask for help. Well, yeah. I just told you 135,000 people died of a drug overdose. That's their bottom. I can't treat a dead person. Yeah. It is literally the dumbest thing. My buddy, Rich Jones, who's our chief clinical officer, he, he makes this statement. He goes, if aliens came down to this earth and looked at us for a second and said, this is how these people treat behavioral health, they would blow us up and fucking leave. They'd be Uh like, this is the dumbest planet in the world. I'll give you another example. Let's say you're from Scottsdale. You're out in the sun all the time. You play golf. You don't wear sunscreen. Let's say you get a mole on your arm. It's a melanoma. Mm -hmm. You go to the dermatologist. Dermatologist says, Aaron, I regret to inform you you have melanoma, but I can take it off in two minutes. But I'm not going to do that because I don't think you've learned your lesson. I'm going to I'm going to wait until you go and get stage four cancer and then I'll treat you with chemo. Mm -hmm. We would all kill that doctor. Yeah. But think about it. That's exactly how we treat this stuff. We wait until the person hits bottom and then raise their hand. Ridiculous. Oh, and it's a, it's an ego thing too. Me saying you're an alcoholic. It's just an immediate hit to your ego. And then you go into your defensive mode. And now there's no opportunity for any kind of help. I mean, maybe somebody would respond well to that, but most human beings are just going to go into the little shell. That's exact. That's exactly right. You know, they've actually done a study, you know, when they have the political debates and they hook people up to electrodes and when Biden's talking, they get a physiological response. When Trump's talking, they get, Uh they did that and they tested the words addict and alcoholic and they found that it engendered the same physiological response as the words murderer, rapist, and Hitler. 
But that's the, that's the first thing I do is call you an addict or an alcoholic. Sure. So the second big gap is the family. We're always focused on, I don't know who was in your family was the alcoholic, but we're focused on them. We're focused on me. We're not focused on you or my wife and kids. Mm-hmm. And what we've learned is, is they usually struggle first. There was a statistic recently that came out. They did a Gallup poll after the pandemic, and they said 26% of American workers in this country go home to someone with an active behavioral health issue. Mm-hmm. So think about that. A quarter of your workforce at Dirt, at, um, at BuildWet is going home to someone struggling, sure. and that's affecting them. But the biggest thing, my friend, is what we call engagement. Here's what we know. And this was a huge study that was just done at Harvard. If we can get people engaged in something transformative, something positive, it can be traditional treatment. It can really be anything. And we keep them engaged for six months or longer. Most people get better. 75%, mm. they say, reach remission. So it's like, it's like uh, instead of somebody just like super, super overweight, being like, you've got to run five miles every day. You got like do- seven days a week instead of it's like, let's just, hey, let's just walk every day and just get them doing something. That's exactly because right. Because they're not going to have as dramatic results if they ran every single day. But but what does that lead? They're to? not going to keep doing it if they're running and they're just. That's right. Yeah, it just that's hurts. Right. And- but the, the thing is, is you got to get them involved in something. Treatment would be great, but you got to keep them involved. And the problem is with behavioral health is. I'll give you a a comparison. With diabetes, 90% of people that get diagnosed with diabetes six months later are either eating healthier or they're taking their insulin. In behavioral health, out of all the people we get engaged in something, some type of treatment, six months later, only about 11% are still engaged. So go back to what we originally said. You got a thousand people that are struggling. A hundred of them will raise their hand and ask for help. Mm -hmm. Then you get that hundred of them engaged in something you know, some type of treatment, whatever it is, six months later, only 11 of them are doing what they're supposed to do. So you have a thousand people, you've helped 11. That's the society we live in today. That's how we treat behavioral health today. Well, and that's why if you're, I mean, anybody listening to this would probably say, yep, I've been around it. I'm either, I'm either directly involved in it. I have a family member in it. I, like, I've had someone die because of it. I, every single person has some kind of story related to drugs, alcohol, addiction, something. Yeah, exactly. It's and, so prevalent. And that's why we created U-Turn Health. The, the, the short story is we created U-Turn Health, myself and Rich Jones, to basically close those three gaps. Because if we close those three gaps, we'll get people better. Mm-hmm. Construction workers, I, I was at a conference and a, a construction worker, he was the head of safety for a huge construction company. He raised his hand and he said, construction workers are dying and they won't talk to anyone. And we stood up and we said, with all due respect, that's not true. They don't want to go talk to a therapist. They don't want to go to rehab. But if you give them another construction worker that's gotten better, that's lived through what they're challenged with, they pour their hearts out more than anyone. They want to talk. Mm. They just had it bottled up for so long. And that's that's the struggle with construction is <laughs> it gets it, it's not controversial, but it kind of is <clears throat> safety. Yep. The safety thing. The amount of money these companies spend on safety. It's incredible. In Incredible. There's not that many fatalities in the construction industry anymore as a result, which I think is great. But if you start to look at the fatalities regarding opioids and, and op- suicide, opioids and suicide, it's sickening. It's it's sickening. And yet it's starting to become bigger. Yeah. Bigger. Uh, thanks to people like like Vince Afelli has been yeah, an amazing voice for Actually, it. Actually, I'm speaking with Vince next week in San Diego. He's he's his story is incredible. <clears throat> the podcast I did with him just absolutely phenomenal. Awesome. Um, I I didn't even. I don't think I talked for an hour. I just he just started going. Yeah. I just let him roll. But um, it's still. I just see so much about safety and this and that, and I get to see it from the outside, so I can see what's legitimate. And a lot of it's just for the insurance companies. I know you have to play the game, but and there's a lot of companies now talking about it. You know, Mental Health Awareness Month, this and that. But I, I haven't I haven't seen any significant change, investment, any different behavior, not not much of that right yeah. now. We're starting to see a little bit. Um, you know, we're we're doing a deal with uh, a deal, a partnership with AGC. We've got a number of of construction companies that work with us. We're now working with you guys, um, providing mental health content. But we just 
we need to give people a different way of starting the journey. So let me give you an example of how U-Turn works. So basically what it is, we use technology. We, we basically have created a Netflix for behavioral health. That's the best way to explain it. Mm-hmm. There's no judgment. There's no stigma. It's completely anonymous and confidential. We use laughter. Real people, these are not actors or avatars. We're trying to normalize behavioral health. And then the second thing we have is the nation's largest um, and only clinically reviewed peer support program. So what we do is, is when Bob, who, you know, is a bulldozer operator and he's 40 and he's a former military guy is struggling with addiction, we're going to give him another construction worker that was a veteran that struggled with addiction. Interesting. And we put them together and we use a really specific model called assertive community engagement that Rich created. And what we've done is we've shifted the responsibility. So for 70 years, what we've done with Bob is we just go to Bob and say, Bob, you're driving a, a, a dump truck. You're an alcoholic. You're going to kill someone. You need to stop. And we tell him what to do and we give him all of the resources. And then we turn around and expect Bob to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. What we're doing is we're switching that. And whoever I give to Bob, who's his coach, it's their responsibility to keep Bob engaged. Mm-hmm. So if Bob needs to go to an AA meeting once a week, if Bob needs to do yoga once a week, if he needs to go to a therapist once a week, you know, it's the responsibility is on us, not Bob. And I'll tell you why that's important. So if you believe addiction or mental health is a brain disorder or the brain's not working properly, Bob's been drinking for 20 years, his brain's not working right. Does it make any rational fucking sense to leave it up to Bob to do the right thing and get better? He, he can't. Yeah. His brain's not working right. Yeah. We're going to put it on the person that's healed from this, who's a professional, who's been trained in this model, and their job is to get Bob better. It's yeah. pretty simple. Well, I think the going back to safety, the, I, I guess, you know, what I've said and how I look at it, killing people is bad for business. That's yep. why we don't kill people anymore, mostly on mm-hmm. job sites, because it's just really expensive. Right. <laughs> uh, that's what's driven a lot of the safety culture. And and yep. just at face value, we, the industry, like we're good people. We like to do good things. And, and yes, don't want people dying. Don't, don't want people dying right. to an extent, but it's largely driven by economics and it's expensive to kill people. But if someone kills themselves on their own time, that's, that doesn't really impact my business. It does, but I don't get a call from the insurance company. I'm not going to get questioned it. by clients like, yes, yeah, it's just such, such a shame. And um, I just, I feel terrible, but yeah, it, it's, it's, it's. It's over there. It's not over here. And so there isn't that that direct incentive. And it was his fault. And it was his fault. It That's was, the it biggest was his, thing. Exactly. Yes. The dump truck broke that he was driving in and caused him to die. That's sad, but he killed himself. That's his fault. His brain wasn't working right, whatever. Yeah, yeah you're yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and so, but I, I do, business owners, construction people, they're good people. Um, I think up until this point, most everybody, the problem has been so suppressed that everybody's not even been aware of it. Mm-hmm. And I've seen more awareness about it in the past year than all of the other years I've been around, at least, which isn't very many, but combined, yeah. which I think significant. There's a significant push to at least just make this aware that this is a big problem. In well, the, the, the pandemic helped you guys. It helped everybody, sure. unfortunately, because yeah. now we know people are really struggling. But we have to do something different. I mean, the definition of insanity, you know, doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. And that's why we created this. No one is looking at this problem this way. I, I, I always put it into perspective this way. If, if I left here today and in my Uber back to my hotel, I got hit and, and basically got in a horrible car accident and had a head injury, paramedics would come and they'd get me and they'd take me to a trauma center and they'd fix me. And then after I left, they give me some rules and regulations to rehabilitate and I would rehabilitate for six months and I'd probably be fine. If that same scenario happened, but on the way home, I, my, something happened to my brain and I had a mental health issue, they would leave me on the side of the road and I would have to figure out how to get to the hospital myself. Mm-hmm. And then once they told me what to do, I would be responsible for doing that rehabilitation on my own for six months. Well, and if you had a physical injury, I'd be... Uh me as your friend, I'd be making you a GoFundMe page. Yeah, that's and, right. And I'd be rallying support and making this Facebook page. A hundred percent about right. it on social media. But yeah. Yeah, but a mental health issue, you're not, you, first of all, you're not going to talk to me for a, a while. 
But that's where we need to get to. We've you turn health. We're the paramedics. We're going to pick you up, make it easier. We're going to get you to the hospital, but we're going to stay with you through that entire journey until you get better. That's that's the easiest way to explain what you turn health is. How many people have, have been involved with you turn? So we have about three million lives now under contract. Three million. Yeah, we got our first payer contract, which is huge. So you mentioned something very interesting. All of this stuff is costing employers money. Yeah. They just don't know it. Yeah. So it's time off. It's people not showing up for work. It's presenteeism where you're on the job, but you're not really there. I'll tell you a really interesting. Yeah. I'll tell you a really interesting story. Talk about safety. We had a guy at a construction company, 35 year track record, no safety incident whatsoever. He was up on a lift one day and dude, I'm, I'm not a construction guy, but he was supposed to attach some rope or some shit. Yeah. He didn't do it. And he turned around and stepped off the lift and fell. He he didn't die, thank God. But when they did the postmortem, whatever the hell they do, when yeah. they, they're check, checking the investigation, um, he admitted that he had gotten a text from his daughter who was suicidal about five minutes before that. He forgot to. So think about the family. Yeah. Like people don't understand. Like you have a you have a family member that has cancer. Yeah, it's devastating. Don't get me wrong. It's my mom died of cancer. It's devastating. And when it's mental health, it's never resolved. You're always waiting for that phone call. You're always waiting for that shoe to drop. And and then employers, this is the greatest story. You talk about cost. So for 25 years, um, I was I worked in pharma and then I was the chief growth officer for this huge specialty pharmacy. Um, I struggled for 25 years. I was I went to a counselor every week. I went to a psychiatrist every month. I was on tons of medication for anti-anxiety, depression, all this shit. Mm-hmm. When I got sober, guess what happened? Everything went away. Go figure. I didn't need the medicine. I saw a counselor for a couple of months, but that was done. I saved my company a shitload of money by going to going to rehab. Well, and it, yeah, pharmaceuticals are a big, big part of this. Huge part. Uh, huge part. Yeah, like the subscription volume, especially over the past few years, mm-hmm. of some pretty terrible stuff that's been known to kill a lot of people. Still going up. Still yep. going up. Still going. It's just, it's it's sickening, but. That's what that's what I've always I've always talked about is uh, safety, safety, safety. But but someone's spouse just asked for a divorce the day before. Yeah. Where do you think their head's at when they're on a job site? And and a construction worker, who are they going to talk to? <laughs> they're going to they're going to raise their hand and call the EAP and say, I need a counselor. Not a chance in hell. <laughs> or, or most companies, though, they're um, they they don't even really know where their benefits are, probably. But are they going to call like the office? and like? Like the front desk, maybe if, or, if they well, are they even gonna, are they going to tell their buddy? Because their buddy, what's their buddy? You said I could cuss on him. What's their buddy going to say? Stop being a pussy. Yeah, yeah. Stop being a pussy. Totally. And yeah. and get get back and and lift that load or whatever the hell there's. But like, dude, yeah. they, they they. But if but here's the deal: if I was a construction worker and you were struggling because your wife just divorced you and we were buddies and I walked up to you and said, "Dude, I, I've been there, man. It's really bad. Yeah, let's sucks. go. Let's go have a drink. Let's go talk. Let's go get a coffee." Yeah, you would immediately welcome it because you want to share your story, but you're scared to share it to someone that you're close to. You're sure. scared to share it to anybody because of what what's going to come out about it. Yeah, we have to give people that avenue to start this journey in a different in a different manner. And I'm guilty of this too. I, I I speak very positively about construction. We should, you know, come on yeah. in. It's a great career. It's a great world. I love it. I love heavy equipment. I love building stuff. I, I love the people. I love the purpose. I love I I'm I'm a huge, huge fan. I'm the biggest fan of the industry. Right. Self-proclaimed. To really overcome the workforce challenge we're facing, we have to also look ourselves in the mirror and say, okay, we need to get our house in order. Like, like Jordan Peterson, he put it in such a simple way. It's everybody's talking about changing the world. But if everybody just went home and did their dishes, you do, you, you do your dishes. If everybody did their dishes, the world would start to become a dramatically different place yep. overnight. And so I think every company, ours included, we need to do our dishes. If we do our dishes, which is caring for our people, we'll be more productive. Will have uh, a greater sense of pride in our existing workforce. Who will then go attract that future workforce? Who will who be who will just be doing more with less? Yep. Who will then go into the communities and they'll be better parents. They'll be better better um, uh, spouses. They'll be better members of their community overall to make an impact, not just at our company but in the outside world. So much, 
so much happens from that. Yeah. If we can do it right. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. I mean, it's my life. I mean, my life was the one of the reasons I struggled so much was when I was drinking is because my life was good. I mean, I was a chief growth officer of a $1.65 billion company. We were about to sell it. Um, I have a gorgeous wife. I have three great kids, gorgeous kids. Um, everyone's healthy. Everyone's happy. Yeah. I was like, and I used to say to my wife all the time, I'm like, I don't hit you. I, I don't cheat on you. Like, what the fuck? I, so I like to drink. It's not about, it's not a big deal. And you're, well, you're, and you're doing it while you're doing business yeah. and, and around. Yeah. It's not, yeah, it's yeah. not a big deal. Part um, of the job. You justify it is basically, and, and everybody says when you get sober, or you get your mental health issues figured out, or you, you work on it, that life gets better. And when you're in it, you're like, there's not a chance in hell. It, I can't even, I can't even describe to you the difference. To me, it's, it's the best way to describe it is peace. I never had peace in my life. I was always, I was never present. I was always trying to figure out the next thing. I mean, I'll tell you a funny story. We would go to Hawaii on vacation. And when we would land at the airport, I would tell my wife, you go to baggage claim. I'm going to the rental car place. I'll meet you back here. And it was, everything was go, 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 go. And we'd yeah. get in the car and we'd drive. And as soon as we got to the, like the kids wanted to stop. And I'm like, we're not stopping. We're going to the hotel. As soon as we got to the hotel, we both got a glass of wine. My wife doesn't even really drink. She would take a couple sips. I would drink like three. Let's go look at the beach. Yeah. And then it was like, all right, we got to, we're leaving in a week. So we got to, it was just, there was no peace. And I have a peace now about me that I never could have imagined before, ever. And you're right. Everything gets better. Isn't it funny with, uh, travel and drinking you you said you go to airports a lot you'll be you know with with american when i fly american i'll get upgraded yeah, yeah, yeah. sometimes because i just fly so much yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't really pay Same for it thing. so you'll be in first class and everybody up up there gets free alcohol yeah and it'll be like wednesday at eight in the morning <laughs> and you're sitting there well what, what would you like the guy next to you no i'll have a jack and coke and i'm sitting there I'm like Dude, that was me. What? That was me. And then, and then, and then the lady across. Yeah, I'll have a, I'll have a, a Tito's. And and then this yeah. guy's like, yeah, everybody. I'll, I'll, yeah, Tito's. I'm like, what is happening? My funniest story on an airplane is this lady. I, she was in first class, and I w- I had quit drinking by then. And she, uh, I think she had three double Jack and Cokes. And then the lady came back and said, would you like anything else? And she goes, you know, I have to drive, so I'm just going to have a coffee. Um, can you throw some Kahlua in there? This is her fourth drink. And she's like, I'm just going to have a coffee with Kahlua. I'm like, you're still drinking, lady. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh. Yeah, no, that's, yeah. I see it all the time. Um, so do you target employers, individuals, both? Yeah, so we have three divisions of the company. We have a treatment center division where we work with treatment centers trying to get people in. And then staying with them and the family after they leave. We have a public sector division, which is more about reentry. Um, we kind of fell into that, to be honest with you. But 80% of people in jail or prison in this country have struggled with behavioral health issues. Mm-hmm. That's why a lot of them are there. And they're kind of the forgotten ones. Um, so we run the National Virtual Peer Support Program for the Federal Bureau of Prisons, which is phenomenal. We have a number of counties that hire us to stay with people after they leave. Because do you know what MAT is? You probably mm-hmm. don't. MAT is, have you ever heard of Suboxone, Methadone? Mm-mm. So if you were addicted to heroin, this is really interesting, especially in the construction world. People that are on Percocet or whatever opioid you want to call it, or heroin. Heroin is an, another opioid. Yeah. When you've been on that for a certain period of time, when you stop, you feel like you're going to die for about 30 days. You're not going to die, but you feel like you are literally going to die for about 30 days. That's why people don't come off of them. The withdrawals are the worst thing that you could ever experience. These drugs, medication-assisted treatment, suboxone, methadone, things like that, they actually are a legal prescription drug that a doctor writes for you that you take, and it prevents you from having withdrawals. doesn't get you as high as the opioids would, but it's, it's a safe way to really kind of get off of those medications. So in jail or prison, it has become pretty much unethical not to give people. So if you come into jail and you're a heroin addict, uh, they're not going to leave you in the jail. So they will give you Suboxone. And let's say you're on it for a year while you're in jail. Well, now you get off. Now you get out of jail. You need to keep taking those medications. Does it? It creates a dependency. That's right. 
And once you stop taking, if you just quit taking Suboxone, you're going to go into withdrawals as well. Yeah. The highest percentage of overdose in this country is two days after people leave jail and prison. So what happens is I'm in jail for a year. I'm on Suboxone. I get out. And they're like, Hamilton, you're now out of jail. Have a great day. Well, I got to figure out how to get my driver's license reinstated. I got to figure out where I'm going to get a job. I got to figure out, is my family even going to talk to me? Mm -hmm. The last thing I'm thinking about is taking my medication. So I go out. Once I go into withdrawals, I go out and use heroin again sure. and I die because it's fentanyl. Yeah, it's a waste. So we do a lot in the public sector with that. And then finally, uh, commercial, which is what you talked about. So we're very big in the construction world. We've got a partnership with you guys to do this for companies. Um, so we sell directly to companies. Uh, we also sell to insurers now. The insurance companies are starting to recognize if we can get people the help they need sooner, it's going to end up saving us money. Yeah. And sure. you, we, we actually have our first union too, the heat and frost insulators trade union. We're doing some work with them. See, but <clears throat> this is where we start to get into the insurance world and the yep. healthcare world. It's really screwed up because yep. I, I experienced this when I was 18. I had a totally uh, degenerative disc in my back. And looking back on it, you know, maybe something like stem cells could have helped, but it was, it was toast. You looked at the MRI and it was very like, I'm not a doctor and you can look at it and, and see, just know yeah. there's a problem there. Yep. The whole disc just completely, for whatever reason, done. And the insurance company said, we'll give you uh, pain medication uh, for as long as you want. We'll pay for that. But you want a disc replacement. Mm -mm, we're not doing that. Not doing it. Nope. We're not paying for it because uh, we just can't do it. So we had to pay. We had to pay cash for it. And thank God. Thank God I was in a position. Did you go to Barris? Um, no, I did it uh, private practice through a physician-owned hospital. Um, in, in Phoenix. What's your doctor's name? Um, you remember? Uh, Dr. Dwayne Pitt. He was a military flight surgeon. Um, I got fused at Barrows. So okay. I, I know exactly what I've, I've had. I have the same exact. I got, one. I got a, another opinion at Barrows, yeah. but yeah, went with, went with, because he had done more, uh, yeah, yeah. disc replacements. I know than exactly. Anybody. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. And so he had done a ton of them. He's like, yeah. no, this is, this is good to go. But, but the point is they would pay for pain meds all day long because that was a lesser cost to them today. 100%. Even though it's a greater cost future state. Okay, sure. Your kidney goes out. Kidneys. We'll, fi we'll fix that. We'll liver, like whatever you need after that. Even better, you switch insurance companies. Now it's not their problem. Yes. That's, that's what they're hoping for. Yeah. And so I know in theory, it should help the insurance companies, but a lot of insurance companies, they just, let's just kick the can down the road. Right. Because that's a problem for tomorrow. That's not my problem today. Yep. I'm trying to reduce my expenses today. Who cares about tomorrow? Yep. And I've seen that happen. It's a, well, first of all, medicine in this country is practiced by insurance companies, not by doctors. 100%. They tell you what to do. They tell you how to do it, blah, 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 blah. The good thing about us is, first of all, we're less expensive than most behavioral health companies. Most behavioral health companies are counselors, therapists, psychiatrists. Those are very expensive hourly mm. wages. So sure. if yeah. if Aaron needs to go see a psychiatrist, it's going to cost $200 an hour. Mm. Insurance company is picking up that tab. We use coaches, which are, you know, a lot less expensive. And we do it on a on a sliding scale. So we, we do it on a monthly basis. So it's a flat fee every month that Aaron is involved in our program. And if I have to talk to Aaron 40 times that month, if I text him 300 times, if we have 12 Zoom calls, it's all included in the price. The engagement is mm. on us. So okay. it's, it's actually the reason the insurance companies like it is because, number one, we're getting people help faster. We're getting people help that would never get help on their own. And number two, we're keeping them involved in that help and they're getting better, which is lowering the insurance company's cost. So me, me as a company, I would sign up with you, say, I have 100 people. And I would pay monthly. We, no, we would charge you. How does that work? We would charge you a flat fee per month based on your number of employees. Sure. That allows us to come in, engage. Everyone gets access to the platform. And oh, by the way, every family member of those hundred people get it for free. And we don't define family. Really? Because here's the deal. If you have a best friend from when you were five years of age and that person is struggling, that can affect you just as much as your girlfriend or your mom. So you get to tell us who your family is. And then the only charge you get on top, it's a very low monthly fee. The only charge above and beyond that is if any of your employees actually uses coaching. You only pay for it if it's used. I see. So that's how we do it. Um, and, and, and if I'm a company, I could find that at U-Turn 
Yeah, uturnhealth.com. You can U-turn find us. You can reach out. One of us will respond to you and, and help you. What, what if I'm an individual? I'm struggling, company, they don't really care. Yeah, we don't do direct. Well, we do and we don't. We, well, now we do because I'm getting ready to tell 400,000 people they're going to listen to this podcast. No, no one listens. Yeah, podcast. bullshit. Um, we don't publicize that we have that we're not trying to get direct to consumer. Yeah, sure. Because if we do that, then what's the incentive for the companies to do it? Because they're just going to be like, my companies can go sign up on their own. Yeah. But if we have people that need help, there's a way we can help them and they can pay for themselves. It's nothing. It's $300 a month. And, um, but are there other places you'd recommend that are better for consumers as well? Or if, if, I, if I was a consumer, I came to you, I'm struggling. What would you recommend? If you were a consumer and you came to me and you were struggling, I would tell we we will let them buy U-Turn Health. We okay. will, yeah, we'll let them do that. Okay. Um, there's, n- I mean, this sounds really conceited. There are a, a a number of nonprofits out there that are doing something similar to what we're doing. As a matter of fact, we started as a nonprofit about twelve years ago. Rich Jones, my chief clinical officer, he he basically was, he's been sober for twenty three years from alcohol and opiates. And he went to therapy school, became a master level therapist. He was working in traditional mental health settings and he just, he hated it. He was like, this is not working. Yeah. Same challenges I was telling you before. So he started this nonprofit in Greenville, South Carolina called Faces and Voices of Recovery. There are a number of those nonprofits that do what we do, um, but they're very regional, very small. And we knew that we needed to commercialize this to get more people help. So that's what we did. Oh, and that's the irony. People think it needs something like this when you're doing good. It needs to be a nonprofit. There's there's a time and place for nonprofits. 100%. But they're also handcuffed in a lot of ways that that's exactly a, a right. commercial operation isn't. That's right. And uh, it's not, you can, conscious capitalism, you can do good in the world, make a big impact while making money. And that's right. Ironically, the more money you make, the bigger the impact you the can more, The more you can help. That's yeah. exactly right. And that's really what happened. I met Rich. And Rich had become like the king of South Carolina, nonprofit, and he wanted to reach more people and he just couldn't do it because everything he did relied on how much money he raised. Sure. And so he said, Hamilton, I think there's a, a thing we can do here. And we commercialize it about a year and a half ago and off and running. Hmm. So it's pretty, it's, it's, I think I told you this before we started filming this is it's exhausting. Um, yeah. Probably just like you, I work 80 hours a week or more. Labor, I mean, I flew here yesterday because I've got meetings in Nashville. I didn't even know it was Labor Day. My wife's like, what are you doing? I got yeah, a flight. Yeah, yeah. But it's, we, you know, and the reason I love the connection with you guys is you guys are trying to change the face of construction, the dirt world, and we are trying to change the face of behavioral health. Yeah. And, you know, we, we, we've over the past few years, especially recognized that it's a very complex problem. Yeah. <laughs> and so when I started, it was like, well, let's just get the word out. And if we get the word out, everything's fixed. Yep. And, and, and then I started dragging eyes. No, 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 no. That's, there's, there's no way. There's, right. there's this mental health and, and substance issue. There's this lack of knowledge issue. There's this leadership issue. There's, there's all of these issues. Um, and if we can start to provide solutions for a multitude of issues, all related to people and human capital, then we can at least find something for everyone within the industry, whether they're a big company, small company, a labor, an operator, foreman, uh, administrator in the office, whatever it is. And if, we, if we're able to help everybody in some way, ultimately you can start to make a pretty significant difference that way. Right. Uh, and that's why the mental health thing is so behavioral. Yeah, well, you can say what is, what is it? Behavioral? I call it behavioral health. Behavioral health. But that's just because it's easy because it encompasses everything. Yeah, sure. So let me ask you a question. And I know you're supposed to be interviewing me, but I don't care. I'm going to ask you a question. Uh, uh, so on a scale of no one rules. to 100, 100 being everything's great, there's no issues. What was the construction world when you guys started this? What would you have, what, what number would you have given it? Um, just like overall industry health score. Yeah, not just health, but like you you mentioned all the challenges, leadership. Yeah, just like that's it. Yeah, what out of a hundred, where was it when you guys started? Where was it? Yeah, was it twenty? Was it thirty? Um, no, I'd say it's like you know, like kind of right in the middle. And and since you've started this and you guys are doing what you're doing, how much has it gone up? I don't we've started to make a difference. It's still anecdotal, so right. I can't point to data and say, well, we've made yeah. X amount of difference because I don't, we don't have that. I don't know if we ever will. Um, 
in in a lot of ways it's 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 slid backwards from I think where it was before because of the overall uh retirement problem because it's it's when we started we were a little early to the party yeah which is my mo I, I like to get to the party early so I can you know leave about when it's fun <laughs> and when everybody shows up yeah because just too many people and yeah, I, yeah, I can yeah. go to bed we got we 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 showed up a little too early so. It was when we started, yeah, there's a problem and, and yeah, it's starting to affect business, but right now it's, it's starting to seriously apply some pressure. I mean, you have 40% of the workforce set to retire in the decade and, wow. and demand so far, everybody's hoping ironically that it declines in a lot of ways is I think the overall feeling, but it's not going anywhere with all the federal money, especially you have all this stimulus and all of this. Um, this demand in these different markets, like a Greenville, South Carolina, for yeah. example. Greenville is a Greenville, South Carolina. Yeah, Carolina. there's there's like 27 Greenvilles, but the one we're talking about is Greenville, South Carolina. Greenville, South Carolina. Yeah, yeah. that's just exploded. Exploded. The roads are the roads are not ready to handle it. Nothing. Yeah, and the and the housing market's not there, and the utilities yep. aren't there, and so it's like you're playing catch up, and then you have this whole. This green energy push. Okay, cool. So you want to go modernize the entire grid of the who's United go, States. Who's going to build it? Who's, how are we going to do that? And like everybody's talking about solar panels, but how are you connecting the solar panel to the actual end user? Did you think about that? Do you think about the trillions of dollars necessary in grid expansion? Oh, okay. You need to go build the grid out. So now you need steel. You need copper. Now copper demand. We need to produce more copper in the next 10 years. As much copper in the next decade. That we've then we've produced in the entirety of humanity. How is that going to work? And and so you, the there's only more and more and more and more pressure. Right. And these companies, I feel like, are starting. My thinking is everything goes back to money. People behave when it starts to hurt them financially. Yep. It's starting to hurt financially. Yep. Um. And so it's. I think it's going down, but it needed to go down right. to then go back up. Well, the other thing is, is whenever you shine a light on something, it always gets worse. Yeah. I mean, it, it always does. And you guys have shined a light on, and and like I said, the pandemic has helped in a lot of ways. Um, but I think the work that you guys are doing, and I bet you 10 years ago, no one was talking about this. No, and I, I and we're not, like we're not the only ones, but I, right. I like to think we've made a significant difference yeah. and, and really brought some of these issues to the forefront. And um, yeah, I, I'm not, I think it's going to have to get a lot worse in the interim before it gets way better. I'm very optimistic about future. Right. Future. I am so optimistic because I, I big picture believe in the United States, believe in our population, believe where we're going. I believe that we'll always need infrastructure. Right. I believe we need to grow our infrastructure. I, I don't think the demand for our product is going away. Uh, and for tradespeople, I don't, I genuinely don't think it's going away. I've seen the robots. They're right. It, 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 and if they if they're coming, they're a long, long, long way. And I know people. Oh, you can. Yeah, I've seen it. It's going to be a while. Um, <clears throat> but I, I think it's I think it's going to have to get a lot worse. And I think what's going to happen is if there is some kind of economic slowdown, I I should say when there's some kind of economic slowdown, what's going to happen is, um, most of the older folks are hanging on right now because it's good and everybody's yep. making a lot of money. It's like, I can milk this thing and make a bunch more money. Why not? <laughs> Why? But then it, if it goes down, they lived through 2008, 2010, 2012. They're done. They don't want to do that again. Are nope. you kidding me? And they just did COVID. Like, I'm done, dude. Like, I'm just wiping my hands. A lot of them are pulling their chips off the table now, selling their businesses. Right. But all those old time folks in the field and in leadership positions and owning companies, they're going to, they're out. They're done. And who's, who's going to be the future? And who fills that void? Yep. That's interesting. Yeah. So I, I don't think, yeah, I, I think that's when things slow, the problem is ironically going to get worse yep. because the, old, the older school generations, that's already somewhat hanging on by a thread that probably retired seven years ago, but then came back into the industry or yep. should have retired a few years ago, but they're like, nah, it's good. That's interesting. Uh, they're not. Yeah, I didn't even think about it from yeah. that standpoint. I've, I've heard guys say, when that happens, I'm out. And I, I perked up when I started to hear that. I'm like, uh, that's exactly what's going to happen. But I don't know. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, if we can at least figure out the behavioral health part, that'll help. Yes. I, uh, huge difference. Yeah. 
huge difference. So this is, it's exciting to be connected with you all. And I genuinely believe what you're all doing can help, is already helping a lot of yeah. people, millions of people. Well, but, I, I appreciate that. I Like I said, the, the fact that our missions are so similar, even though we're focused on on two different aspects of it, um, we're trying to do the same thing. Totally. And, and that's, you, you hit the nail on the head when the pandemic hit and shit got bad, that made everything worse mm-hmm. because now people are like, oh shit, I am not going to have a job for two months. What am I going to do? And people start drinking more and taking more drugs and trying to figure out all that stuff. Yeah. And that really shined a light on this that catapulted us. Oh, and, and something in construction a trend that I'm seeing, and I don't, I need to look at the actual numbers, but there's a lot more hours worked right now. Yeah. Because you have to get the same amount of work done, but you're having less people. It's getting put on everybody's shoulders regardless. And so there's a lot, there's longer hours per week, I've heard. And then a lot of companies are working through winter, which even five years ago when I started, you kind, you shut down in winter. Really? Yeah. You were not working in winter. In, in, not in Arizona. Right, Arizona's right, right. year round. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah, there's a lot of market like Indiana, Indianapolis. You're not working through winter. A lot of companies are working through winter. Wow. Yeah. It started to roll all year round now uh, because there's just so much work and they have to get it done. They can't get it done. And then guess what happens? You have musculoskeletal issues. So what do you do? Take uh, opioids yeah, so you can keep uh, going to work. Yeah. And you drink when you get home because you're stressed out and it relieves well, the stress. And, and, and then... the, the winter shutdown used to be good for a lot of people because you get three months off. Yeah. It's like teachers. You get your summer off. Your body heals. Yeah, you get your winter off. And you go to, you can, yeah, you go to those appointments you've been putting off and, and you can just at least like go snowmobiling and, and, and just cool down for a little bit. Yep. But now you don't have that. Wow. Yeah. And I'm, now it's not everybody. I know if you go, like there's still a lot of companies shutting down for the winter, but right. it's Based on what I've seen and heard, it's not even nearly as many as just years ago. Wow. Yeah. It's an eye opener. Anyway, if a company is listening to this, they want to engage with you, uturnhealth.com. Uturnhealth.com. Yep. An individual, same thing. Individual, same thing. We will find you help. We will get you help regardless of who you are. Okay. Would love to talk to the companies, but uh, individuals will help you. Excellent. Uh, well... Thanks for stopping by. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate you having me. Nice to meet you and uh, keep up the good work. 